bring everyone together for a great time with the Nintendo Switch system. Get the whole family in on the fun with exciting games that everyone can enjoy, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and more. Nintendo Switch has three different play modes all in one system. Play in TV mode, tabletop mode, or handheld mode when you're on the go. Visit nintendo.com slash us slash switch to learn more. Games rated E for everyone. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome, everybody. To another Star Talk Live at Bell House. We have a wonderful show for you about neurology, psychology. You're going to leave here learning, and I'm sorry for that. It is now my great pleasure to bring on the host of Star Talk, ladies and gentlemen, Neil Tyson! Tonight's show, we're calling The Space Between Your Ears. And let me bring out my two special guests, two experts on what's going on inside your head. First up, Cara Santamaria, a journalist on neuroscience and all science topics for the Huffington Post. Cara, come on out! She has a video blog called Talk Nerdy to Me, and her particular expertise is the neurophysiology of love and also depression. Okay, so we got to like, work that one out. And my second special guest, Professor Heather Berlin, a neuroscientist. Heather Berlin! She's a professor of psychiatry at Mount Sinai Medical Center. She actually probes the human brain to find out what's going on when things are happening to you. And her particular expertise includes... Helping Jews. <laughs> I'm Jewish, it's fine. But compulsive disorders and impulsive disorders. I should have waited with my joke. I remain accurate. We have one more guest from The Daily Show, Wyatt Senak. Here we go. First, I want to find out a couple of things. You know, what is normal? Because every time I turn around, somebody's identified with a mental disorder. But if most people I know have exactly that disorder, why would that be abnormal? So what is normal for humans? I've seen animals do weird things, and we say, isn't that cute? And if a human did it, they'd be committed. Yeah. So how, how do you decide? They would be ostracized. <laughs> Just to be clear. 
how do your people decide what is normal and what isn't? I have no idea. You know, historically, I think that that was just decided by social invention. You know, I've talked to some neuropsychologists who study religion, for example, and a lot of them claim that religion is mass delusion. But because enough people are deluded by it, Wait, it doesn't qualify as a mental mass disorder. What's delusion, like, technically? Like? You go to mass. Right, right. <laughs> No. That there are enough individual people who share the same kind of hallucination. And you know what's funny is that really there are certain things in certain cultures that are considered normal, and in other cultures they're considered abnormal. But actually, there's no such thing as being a normal. There's no normal person. Everybody is abnormal, really. I'm normal. <laughs> <laughs> the question we'll, is... We'll be the judge of that one, you think. Yeah. Normal-esque. How we decide if somebody has an actual psychiatric illness is how much distress it causes the person. So there is the social social norms, exactly, if somebody's outside of the social norm. However, it's also how much stress is it to that person. But nobody is normal. I'm sure I could diagnose you with one or two psychiatric illnesses. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so here's what interests me. Humans are capable of extraordinary extreme emotions, of hate, of love, of rage. That's a little like hate. Well, okay, well, no, no, look, so... Bieber so, fever. I'd also throw Bieber fever in there. That's an extreme emotion. When those emotions are expressed in their extreme, havoc is wrought upon society. What possible evolutionary good is that? The evolutionary basis of Bieber fever. Yeah, yeah. thank you. That's a very Heather, you got question. some insight into this? Yeah, so I think the reason the Bieber fever or just our <laughs> emotions evolved, our emotions evolved initially, if you think about you know these sort of little creatures crawling around the earth before humans evolved, it was about seeking out pleasure, which meant food, water, sex, that helped you survive. So we needed these things, emotions, likes, dislikes, stay away from poisonous things. Are and you then describing humans... gentrification? <laughs> <laughs> As we evolved, we developed these more cerebral cortexes that interpreted these emotions and put labels on them, like love and passion and anger and hate. But really, they evolved from human need to have sex, to eat. Life needs. Life needs. needs. Animal needs. Animal needs. Beneath animal animal needs. needs. Like, the brain evolved inside out. And so, generally speaking, we see functions in the brain that are happening in very deep brain structures. Some people call that the lizard brain or the phylogenetically older part of the brain. And kind of the more outside we get in the brain towards the cerebral cortex, the, the more that we see these kind of higher mammalian functions. Wait, wait. So the two of you are saying is that we have these basal sort of caveman lizard needs, okay? And now that we're... Write a play! <laughs> but now that we're smart, we actually try to interpret these basal needs and that can mess us up. And we give them labels, and that can really mess things up. Because we mislabel things. We feel something, and we have to put a label on it. It might not be the right label. You know, people fall in love with their professors, for example. Well, really, they might feel emotion. They're excited about the information. The way you said that? People keep trying to hook up with me. I think they're crazy. 
But you know, I think we say that these are kind of hiccups and these are mess-ups of evolution, but the truth is we wouldn't be human without these things either. I mean, what makes us human is language and poetry and putting, you know, meaning into some things that we generally think of as just being these kind of hindbrain or midbrain activities. But the scary bit is really most of what's moving our behavior is happening outside of awareness. And we're only aware of it after the fact. And then we start to make up To rationalize it after. Yes, exactly. So what's a good example of that? For example, there are free association tasks. They'll learn word association pairs, like mood and tide, for example. For Don't example. say mood and tide. That has way baggage okay. with, <laughs> with Bill O'Reilly <laughs> saying, oh, you yes. can't explain the tides. Yes, right, right. Yes, I can. Yes. So I don't want to go there right now, okay? The, that's the moon god. If you miss, just Google moon O'Reilly. It's all there. Ocean. Let's say moon and ocean. Moon and, and ocean. I say to you, you've learned these things previously. Now just name any detergent you want. Free association, whatever you want. Name a detergent. Name a detergent. Sir. Most people Degree. are likely to say Tide. Tide. <laughs> They've been primed. And they'll say, well, why did you choose Tide? They'll say, oh, my mom used it as a kid or I loved it. But really, it was because they were primed by learning this word pair, ocean and moon. So people explain their behaviors or the decisions they make after the fact. In the lab, we can show that we can manipulate the way people decide things and they'll come up with all sorts of reasons why. So you manipulate people in the lab? Of course. Why do we even have war then? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You just put Al-Qaeda in a lab. (laughs) This comes down to a question, which I probably don't want to take the conversation here, but they always go to this place when I try to write about these kinds of things is, does that mean that we have no free will? Yeah. Ooh. Actually, free will is an illusion. I can assure you. I disagree. You. <laughs> I disagree. Oh, Everybody yeah. needs to know what, this right why now. would I go like this? I'm a bat. I'm a bat. Free will. <laughs> Disprove that, scientist. <laughs> There's no explanation for that behavior. I'm the only human with free will! So, Heather, in the old days, the psychiatry, they lay out on the couch and just have a conversation. But you're saying now you're beyond this. What are you doing to people's heads? So for people who are really suffering and they've tried all sorts of pharmacological treatments and psychotherapy and nothing works, yeah, they have obsessive compulsive disorder or severe depression, there's a new alternative treatment in which we actually implant electrodes in the brain and stimulate these deeper structures of the brain. And people who are depressed for 20 years, they all of a sudden, even in the operating room, they're awake. We implant the electrodes, we turn them on, and they feel alive. They You're feel poking happy. around inside they're people's brains. They're going inside and they let you people's brains. They do. They do. They sign consent. No free will. Of course they're going to let Let me go inside your brain. Yes. Man. Yeah. They let you do this. Well, imagine. You're they're suffering. Desperate. Yes. They're desperate. This is like a last resort, not this a first. This is a last resort. I mean, we, people used to get shock therapy for depression. I mean, right. they still do. I saw do. that movie. You know, a small amount of people still they actually, do. They have to fail shock therapy first in order yeah. to get so this They're treatment. that desperate. And they've already tried having a glass of wine. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> You're taking... Yeah therapy to another technological level. We actually call it deep brain stimulation. Deep brain stimulation. Sounds so sexy. Yes. But it's really these evolutionarily older parts of the brain that we were talking about that evolved for these emotions that we had. Those are the parts that we're actually going in and manipulating. The lizard brain. The lizard brain. Yes. And... 
the alternative was actually people used to go in and lesion those parts of the brain. Lesion cut? Yes. This I saw that movie too. Yeah, they don't yeah. destroy it anymore. There's yeah, that no was one slew over the cuckoo's exactly. nest. Exactly. How'd that it's work? It's not like that. I don't want... Uh, what was the effectiveness of it? Of the lesioning the brain? Yeah. It actually worked for somebody. It wasn't like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. It was actually, they would lesion these subcortical structures and they would work for obsessive compulsive disorder. But You would just now, cut out the idea of counting to 100? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is Before one part you turn brain. on the oven! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> But now this deep brain stimulation doesn't cause any damage. It's reversible. It's adjustable. We can change the amount of stimulation. It's really quite amazing. So if you have OCD and then you get it and then you're like, you know what? I want a little bit of OCD. <laughs> you can change the, yeah. You're like, I'm just counting to four before I go in a room. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, there's an interesting ethical question here. Absolutely. If you can go in and mess with someone's brain altering their state of mind, can you go in and make them smarter? Can you go in and change their political affiliations? Can I make them fall in love with me? First, we have yeah. to understand. Yes. Can you electrocute someone until they date you? Yeah. <laughs> Duh. You don't need to be a scientist to know how to break someone. <laughs> Yeah, so Heather, that's your, like, yes. the fifth date. You just bring them into the lab. Yes, they, I don't the, know what hit them. Yeah. But you know what? We are a bottleneck to that research. I mean, first we have to understand what intelligence really is before we could even start to conceptualize a way to go into the brain to improve intelligence. And there's so many facets of how we define intelligence today. Right. Name and, 90. 90. <laughs> well, and what's interesting, and this is a quick aside, is that... When we do a statistical measure called factor analysis and we look at all different intelligence tests, we find this factor called G, the G factor, Spearman's G, which... Does that relate to the G spot? For the brain. For the brain. The G right. spot for the brain. Okay. What's with the letter G? It's this you know? thing that we see, yeah, general intelligence, general. and it's this thing that we see across all intelligence tests and they all rank high on it. And so there is this kind of fundamental intelligence, intangible measure that we don't even really know what it is, but some people have it and some people Have you asked don't. those people what it is? <laughs> those who have it, right? <laughs> they might have a, an insight. Can you figure out whether you have it on a uh, test that might be in the sidebar of a Facebook page? <laughs> Possibly. Okay. All right. But the wave, I think, of the future with these neural prosthetics, as they're called, implants into the brain where we can stimulate certain parts, is we can actually increase things over time, like memory, like attention. So while it's not intelligence, sure. and per both se, of those are components of most intelligence. Exactly. Yeah. But there's a lot of ethical issues there because you know who can afford to get the implants. Right. You know, rich people. Um, exactly. The that right now. It's rich people who can afford. Thanks, Eugene. Occupy cerebral cortex. <laughs> you don't want to let a lot of potentially reasonable hippies into your mind. <laughs> let me ask, given that you can probe the brain, given that there are these disorders that can be adjusted, given that there might be a future in where you go in the brain... Why are women so crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. 
And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're continuing the broadcast of our show, The Space Between Your Ears, recorded live at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, along with my co-host, Eugene Merman. Joining us on stage that night were Professor of Psychology, Heather Bodlin, science blogger, Cara Santamaria, and the comedian, Wyatt Sinek. One of the other things I study is the neural basis of consciousness, and I'm interested in... The what other basis could it possibly have, <laughs> if not neural? A lot of people would people think it that it doesn't. People thought it was way back in the Greek, you know... You the know, and there are many... science, it could be just in the ether. Exactly. Yeah. There, are, there yeah. are people today, there are dualists who truly believe that mental states come from some sort of soul-like substance, that they're not... Found yeah, I don't have them here on stage. Well, yeah, and yeah, one yeah. of those people of is Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> Yoda, yeah. Did you say doulas? Duelist. Oh, like, okay. The monist kind of looks at the brain and mind as the same thing. Oh, the duelist. Duelist yeah. looks at the brain and mind as two separate kind oh, of Should okay. I now make my Yoda entities. joke again? Okay. <laughs> But I do think that we're getting closer to understanding it, whereas before we can only sort of peer into the brain using things like neuroimaging and say, oh, this lights up when a person thinks about that or feels this. And that was just looking at correlations. But now we're getting into causation because we can actually go in and change a person's emotion or percept. We can induce a memory or an image. So we can actually go in, stimulate the brain, and cause a person to have a percept. And by going from correlation to causation, we're learning a lot more about the so, relationship. So why are you you? And why am I me? What are you, high and 20? (laughs) No! Heather, I was driving home, and I said, every day I wake up, and I am me. I'm not someone else. Uh, The persistence of self. The persistence of me. And 
If I had a twin, I would never become my twin, even no. though we're genetically identical. But there are certain types of brain damage where you might lose that sense of self. There are also ways that we can induce that pharmacologically. Oh. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> where, where you are not yourself. Where you might lose a sense of self and maybe gain a sense of connection with a greater... You're talking about ecstasy. I mean, there are a lot of ways that we can kind of affect our brain so that that sense of self becomes a little less tangible to us. Well, okay, so when we think of drugs on the brain, we think that somehow they're stimulating phenomena. Is that really what's going on? Yeah, so a new paper actually just came out recently. A research paper. Yes, a research paper. Yes. They- <laughs> Not the Denver Gazette, <laughs> to clarify. <laughs> When an academic says a new paper came out, it, it yeah. means something different. Yes, yeah. go ahead. Where traditionally people thought when you go on things like LSD or mushrooms, the brain is, you know, <laughs> becomes activated and you have all these hallucinations and weird, strange experiences. But they actually put these people in a scanner to look at what's happening in their brain while a they're on scanner. in a neuroscanner. Look Not at a, brain activation. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Not a copy it. machine. <laughs> Just like, or they don't just hold up Shazam <laughs> to the head and go like, Man, I don't know what this song is. <laughs> so they put the people in a scanner while they were on mushrooms, or the drug that's in mushrooms, and they found actually that they had decreased activation in certain part of the brain, in the prefrontal, in the frontal area of the brain that has to do with executive function. And that that part of the brain actually decreased, which allowed these, again, the evolutionarily older bit of the brain, the subcortical regions, to have full range to just what act you're out. What saying is that our normal state suppresses hallucinations. Yes, yes. So that dreams, for example, when you're dreaming, there's decreased activation in the prefrontal cortex. When you're under hypnosis, there's decreased activation. So normally we're suppressing all these weird, freaky, strange uh, things. Are you also saying uh, that lizards are naturally high? <laughs> <laughs> Lizard brain. Well, you know, a lot of animals That's don't them. recognize themselves in the mirror, and they may not be able to... Well, how do you know that? Email! <laughs> when you put them in front of a mirror, they don't notice their reflection. Some dogs will bark as if it's another dog, and some will be like, meh, I don't care, and they'll yeah. walk off. And so there are kind of some tests. It's very rare, right? the dog that's like, hey, what's up? Exactly, hey. yeah. But wolf, apes, wolf, back to you. But many apes, chimpanzees and bonobos, can look in a mirror, and if you mark their forehead with yellow paint, for example, they'll go to wipe it off. They know that it's on their own forehead. Oh, and wow. then they'll go to destroy you for putting it on their forehead. I am I trusted you! Ah! <laughs> And did you know that the laws of optics dictate that in a mirror, you can only kiss yourself on the lips? <laughs> Unless you're a vampire. Well, vampires have no reflections. So exactly. That That's why. Vampires never know self-love. <laughs> Okay, so Heather, I interrupted, yes. We're talking about our sense of self. There's actually a theory that there's certain cells in the brain called spindle cells that are only found in creatures that have social interactions. So they're found in humans, they're found in dolphins, they're found in great apes. And these are the great animals... Also, by great the way, by the okay. way that can recognize themselves. The three species that have sex for pleasure. Oh. Which are those? Bonobos, yes. dolphins, and humans. Yes. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait! Wait, excuse me. Dogs look like they're having fun when they're doing it. So yeah. what do you, you, t- you say? I think all animals get something out of sex, but these are the three species that have sex outside of estrus. What's they have the sex reason? They oh. can't get pregnant. What's the reason dogs have sex with human legs, though? 
They're very frustrated. Very frustrated. <laughs> okay, so so three species that have sex without regard to procreation. Procreation. To procreation. Exactly. And which are they're, they're bonobo. Bonobos. Yeah. Everyone's favorite ape. Yeah. Dolphins. Dolphins. Yeah. No one for and the humans. BJ's. Awesome orgy. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. Bonobo dolphin <laughs> happening at Burning Man. <laughs> They'll give a dolphin too much tequila. <laughs> We're never going to let Heather get to her point. Are we? Yes. <laughs> I, I think I made it. Really, the essence is that our prefrontal cortex acts to rationalize our brain. And we have all these thoughts that are constantly bubbling up. And the prefrontal cortex makes sense of them, explains why we make the decisions we do, why we behave the way we do, and organizes our thoughts. If you depress that part of the brain with a certain drug or with certain types of therapy, it will allow these strange thoughts to bubble up and have no rational meaning. Now, is the prefrontal part of your brain, is that still the lizard brain part? That's actually the part of the brain that we consider makes us the most human. Humans have the largest prefrontal cortex of all animals. That's right, we do. Proportional to the rest of the brain. USA. I think a whale has a prefrontal cortex. USA. Ratio to the body Ratio. weight. Ratio, yes, yeah. We call it the executor of the brain. So I always got really angry when I watched the movie Saw. Because the I would get angry if I yeah, watched exactly. the movie Saw. So I'm with Wyatt. I say it like I watch it multiple yeah, times. Yeah. The giveaway, for those of you, spoiler alert, is that this guy, you know, who plans these extravagant ways to kill people, had frontal lobe damage, which is not possible because when you have frontal lobe damage, the first thing that goes out the window is your ability to plan things. Oh. Wow. Okay. So, so you get pissed off watching. Yes. yes. You're like a fireman watching backdraft being like, I don't think so. That's not accurate. I'm very obnoxious. That's also, that also seems like the best way to get out of any like Valentine's Day or anniversary thing was like, oh, I didn't plan anything because I hurt my frontal lobe cortex. Oh, it's bruised. Oh, I'm sorry. We're just going to have to sit on the couch and rent Saw. <laughs> So I didn't know there were movies to which you would not take a neuroscientist because they would just be annoying during Wait, but the I, I can Completely. say something. Hannibal, I think that was the film, was very accurate. So this is one scene where the man is awake and Hannibal has opened up his skull yeah. and is taking pieces out of his brain and feeding it to the man. He's eating his own yes. brain. But the thing is, actually, there are no nerve endings in the brain. So a person could be wide awake and you could be cutting in their brain. Actually, as we do when we implant these electrodes, and they're wide awake. Most brain surgery is done yeah. in awake individuals. Absolutely. So you only have to anesthetize the scalp. And and then once you're in the brain, they don't feel anything. The brain has no nerve. It's a quite phenomenal thing because the thing that controls your entire nervous system doesn't feel itself. So you were cool itself. with that scene. That's what I you're telling cool me. I was cool with the scene. That yes. was an okay yes, scene. that was good for me. Hannibal is very true to neuroscientific evidence. I just now, what think- about on the show Heroes when uh, <laughs> the guy who played Dr. Spock... Reached into the brain. He would like cut things out and then eat them and get eat their, their powers. powers. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. also oh, real. Actually, if you eat human <laughs> brains... <laughs> You may get prions, which is a oh. disorder that will make you have like delusions and sanity. That sounds like that's the new drug. Yeah, you don't want to eat. <laughs> hey, we're gonna brain. go hang out and do prions. <laughs> Safer than bath salt. <laughs> so, let me bring this segment to a close by asking: Do you think, as neuro neuro folk, <laughs> neuro babes, right? Okay, uh, right on, <laughs> babes. I <All> right. <laughs> Do you think computers will achieve consciousness one day? Kara? I think we are the bottleneck to that. I disagree with the Kurzweilian future oh, yeah, of the yeah. singularity. And I think that as humans 
programming these things until we really fully understand computational neuroscience, we're going to have a hard time programming computers to learn beyond our limitations. Heather, you think we're... Well, there's a lot of work going on now, actually, in Switzerland, and they're trying to... Create... It's like, it's figures, right? It's like, it's like... Yeah, with all this socialism working. Go on. They are building a computer modeled after the human brain. It's a huge project. Millions of dollars are going into it, and they're trying to simulate what it would be as if they can make a computer like a human brain. My own personal feeling, and there's a lot of debate in this area, is that there's something about the biological material that's something different. So even if you can map out every connection we have in the brain in a computer, it wouldn't have what we experience as consciousness because there's something special that it evolved within a biological being, this property of having sensations and perceptions that a computer can never have. According to the movie Short Circuit, it's just lightning. (laughs) That's all it is. Then Johnny Five is alive. Neil deGrasse Tyson, astrophysicist with the American Museum of Natural History. This show is about the space between our ears. And we've got two experts on this one, Cara Santamaria. Cara, welcome to Star Talk Radio. Thanks for having me. She's the science correspondent for the Huffington Post and has a video blog where she talks about all manner of science, including brain issues, especially brain issues. And it's called Talk Nerdy to Me. We like that. And Heather. Professor of Psychiatry at Mount Sinai Medical Center, specializing in compulsive disorders. Excellent. I mean, I mean, yeah. good. I mean, <laughs> what, what are you saying to that? I don't know. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Hey, Eugene Merman, this is your house? Yes, hello, everyone. <laughs> and you've got a guest? Wyatt Sinek from The Daily Show. All right. All right, so in this next segment, I just want to break stride here just a little bit. Every now and then I tweet something. And people write back and say, mind blown. I know the feeling. (laughs) My most retweeted tweet of them all was a simple observation that the neurals 11 plus 2 equal 12 plus 1. We agree with that. For now. If you take... I mean, we're talking about base 10. Okay, yes. Thank you. He's good. (laughs) Not only does 11 plus 2 equal 12 plus 1, so too do the letters that spell 11 plus 2 equal the letters that spell 12 plus 1. Whoa, mindfulated. <laughs> so things can blow people's minds, apparently. And the universe is, like, really good at that, all right? So, for example, let me just take you to a few places. and then we... Butterflies. <laughs> wow. Okay, so here you go. Numbers that get large quickly. So we have million, billion, trillion, quadrillion, quintillion, Sextillion, septillion, octillion, nantillion, dectillion. You lost me a billion. (laughs) All right. So we have words for these. That's not the metric prefixes. You can go metric on it, and you get atto and femto and 
in both directions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so sure. the point. Sure. Totally with you. But none of these totally. are my favorite number. So glad I got homeschooled. <laughs> the favorite number going on here is Google. There's a number, Google. G-O-O-G-O-L. Not Google the company that changed the spelling and incorporated themselves. A Google is a one with a hundred zeros. Now, here's the catch. That number is bigger than the total number of atoms in the universe. And so you might ask, when would you ever need such a number? If there's nothing that big to count. This is a good example. Right now. <laughs> Without that number, it'd be like, what is happening? <laughs> but what's the other instance? Okay, so now wait. Okay. So now here you go. Here's what you do next. You take the number 10 and raise it to the Google power. Googleplex! Googleplex! Oh. Oh. Nerd! We found the nerd! Get him! The Googleplex. Wait, which is actually what Google called their headquarters. It's all derivative of what we had first. <laughs> now... Google doesn't invent everything. Let me just let you know that. So, here's the point. If a Google is a one with a hundred zeros, that's ten to the hundredth power. Mm -hmm. When you go to the power, that's how many zeros follow the one. Ten to the hundredth power is a Google. A Googleplex is ten to the Google power. Yes. Which means it's a one followed by... A Google Zero. What about a Google to the Google power? No, you can't. So no, what? I just did that to no. you. Yeah. He made a Google Apple and then I threw in a Google to that. No, no. So here's the thing. Boom. <laughs> if you want to write that number, you'd have to write a Google Zeros. But there aren't even a Google Atoms in the universe. So the Google Plex cannot be written out in the available space and matter of the cosmos. And your pen would run out of ink. <laughs> but wait. But the universe is expanding. <laughs> so are you saying... What? Uh, I'm just saying, should we wait, like, what, two years? <laughs> okay, three years. But the amount of stuff in the universe, is that expanding? Or no. just the Thank space? you. Thank you, Kara. Buzzkill. So not so the ink, the, the amount of ink is not expanding. Thank you. There you go. The empty space is expanding, but if you're going to put a zero somewhere, you need something to write it on, and there aren't enough atoms. I will the use the blood of the poor. <laughs> Plus the regular ink available already. So we deal with these numbers all the time. We don't deal with these numbers. Oh, sorry, all we. Um, I do. You deal with these the, numbers the, all the time. The astrophysicists. Sure. And uh, just a couple other quick things. For example, the galaxy has about 100 billion stars in it. Mm -hmm. Billion. I love that number. No, no, it's a good number because you feel very Carl Sagan y yeah. when you. Yeah. 100. Everybody say it together. On three. One, two, three. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I like to say a hundred Warren Buffetts. <laughs> yeah, let it sink in. So we have about 50 to 100 billion galaxies in the universe, and if each galaxy has 100 billion stars, you multiply these two numbers, you get 10 to the 22nd power. That number is bigger than the total number of grains of sand in the Sahara. 
Can I bring in neuroscience here for a minute? Yeah! <laughs> so, what really blows my mind, and this is sort of what motivated me to get into the field of neuroscience, is that given all these extraordinary numbers that you just talked about, and our little speck, this little earth, right, in the universe, which is huge and expansive, and Googles and all that stuff, <laughs> the fact that our little tiny brains, this little piece, three-pound piece of matter, can comprehend that is extraordinary. How does it do that? How can we understand? If you look at it compared to the rest of the universe, it's a speck of dust, yet that Smaller, speck of yeah. dust can understand itself okay, uh, and understand its place in the universe and the enormity of it. Carl Sagan famously said... Okay. Read this. Kara, read this to everyone. We are a way for the cosmos to know itself. Ah. That's a freshly acquired tattoo. It is. That's my newest tattoo. Right after... I Arthur. also have... <laughs> 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 Yours it is. Yours says, okay, I so have cash or grass. <laughs> Nobody rides for free. Another famous Carl Sagan quote. <laughs> he said a lot of stuff. So really, this quote speaks to me, which is why I got it tattooed on my body. In a sense, I think that what he was really saying, and, and I think Neil kind of disagrees with this, with this idea. She asked how he knows that I had this. How did I know? I imagine you told him. I told him. In an Jesus Christ. Backstage, we were all in our bikinis backstage in preparation for this talk. That's what was going on. Neil has cameras all over the world watching us. Duh. So I am not a religious person. I'm an atheist. I'm pretty open about that. Yeah, right? And in a sense, I think that what Carl... You are damned to hell for all eternity. According to my parents. Yahweh is not happy. So I think what Carl was really saying here is that because... You, you and Carl were like that. Yeah, we were like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and Carl. Wait, okay, so you believe in Carl, but not Jesus. All right, I get it. So because in the minds of people like myself, there is no greater consciousness, and because the universe can't contemplate itself, but we are made from the stuff of the stars, we, in essence, are a way for the cosmos to know itself. Okay. We can contemplate our own existence in the eternal landscape to the extent that we are able. Well, so my rebuttal to yes. that, it's a mild rebuttal, but sure. I just want to keep our hubris yes. honest. It assumes that our understanding of the universe is a meaningful understanding of the universe. It assumes that. to us. What, what about uh, gray matter, right? Is that a thing? Dark matter? What are we talking about? Okay, here we go. That's a thing. That's a thing. Dark matter is a thing. Dark matter? We don't know what that is. Yeah! What if it's super smart? And gray matter is a thing in the brain. And gray matter is in the brain. What color matter isn't there? What? Heather, what? Yes, the question is, is how, right? And, and I think you're right. 
we might be having a really distorted vision of what it is that we think our place in the universe is. It's completely, completely incorrect. And another sort of mind-blowing thing is that perhaps the aliens, right, these space creatures with big heads and big eyes who come down to see us, are really us evolved many, many years from now. This is a theory, actually, coming back to visit us with a greater understanding of who we are and where these primitive <laughs> ape-like Which creatures... Which is why they yes. haven't conquered us and why they look in our bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> So why are they so curious about our reproductive organs? <laughs> They're harvesting them. <laughs> For research, of well, course. Wait, so here's the thing. They're horny yeah. ourselves in the future. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so Heather, here's my concern about that concept. Yeah. Because you look at the DNA between we and the bonobo, or the chimps, sure. and it's a trifling difference between the two. Less than 1%. There's less than 1%. Wait, but that 1% can code for... Well, 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 uh, I'm getting it! That's the whole point! And <laughs> they have their own version of law and order! That's right. <laughs> Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack. And save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joe's, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're continuing the broadcast of our show, The Space Between Your Ears, recorded live at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, along with my co-host, Eugene Merman. Joining us on stage that night were Professor of Psychology, Heather Bodlin, Science Blogger, Cara Santamaria, and the comedian, Wyatt Sinek. Maybe the difference between us and chimps is as small as that 1%. Consider another species 1% beyond us. And they studied us and say, oh, look at Stephen Hawking. He's slightly smarter than the rest. He can do astrophysics calculations in his head like little Timmy over here, okay? So if they look at us and say our smartest are like their toddlers, the way we look at chimps and say their smartest are like our toddlers, it makes me lose sleep at night wondering if, in fact, we truly understand the universe. Sure. And whether, if we are visited by aliens, mm -hmm. they just pass us by because their observation of Earth 
draws them the conclusion that there's no sign of intelligent life. <laughs> Maybe our brain is not as great of as course, you say. Of course, but this is a function of human evolution. The truth is... I'm just going to say I am very close to just becoming pure energy. <laughs> I don't want to brag. I'm probably about three weeks away from floating around being like, you do not get it. <laughs> Eugene Merman, yeah, the living fine. laser. <laughs> So I, I just want to say something about this 1%. Yes. The 1% can code for things that will, let's say, create a whole new region of the brain. 1% sounds like it's a little bit, but if it's coding for a protein that creates, let's say, the size of the prefrontal cortex, that's a huge thing. Right, so now you so, go 1% beyond right, us, and we're blithering, drooling exactly. fools. 1% is so 1 in 100. That's a pretty it, yeah. big percentage, actually. You're <laughs> saying the 1% are the brain creators who create other uh -oh. things for the... Uh -oh. <laughs> Yeah. So we shouldn't tax the capital gains of the yeah. I think that's brain what this is all that comes uh, up with new ideas. Yeah. Well, wait. So Heather, it's a trickle down brain economics. Brain. Yeah. Yeah. We are actually limited in our capacity by the very thing we're trying to understand. Let's say our brains, but I think that the collective consciousness which some people talk about. Let's say the answer to everything is the table, for example. And I have my little microscope, I'm looking at one little piece, and you're looking at another little piece, and somebody else. But together, we can shine our light and see the entire table, but only collectively. So I think the accumulation of knowledge of everything people discovered before us, and they'll discover after us, the accumulation of all this knowledge will have a greater understanding than one any individual brain can have. Yeah. So knowledge... Communist! All right, so the future of this would be going into the brain, mm -hmm. finding all the lizard parts, mm -hmm. and just severing the lizard connection from what we need to function in an organized society. Wait, 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 but hold on. So what you're saying is sort of we, we create these sort of Spock-like creatures which are very rational but non-emotional, that they would I got somehow no problem with that. be <laughs> more evolved. But there's a caveat there because research has shown that actually people make better decisions when they're informed by their emotions. This Be is like Captain Kirk on yeah. Star Trek. <laughs> yes, yes. He beats Spock in chess Mm -hmm. Because Spock is exactly logical, and yes. Kirk just yes. is feeling it. And he this just is grunts also why... He just grunts his way to a victory. This is... <laughs> now I gotta go find a nurse and have sex with her. <laughs> or blue... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is also Green. why I have a problem with this Kurzweilian singularity. There are some very human components to neural processing that I don't think in the near future, at least not in the next 50 years, we're going to be able to infuse into machines so that AI can really rival the human brain. I think it's important to distinguish between artificial intelligence and artificial consciousness. Computers, they're already more intelligent than we are. I mean, they can do mathematical calculations way faster than we can. They can analyze information way faster than we can. If that's how we define it. Exactly. Right, right. But if you're looking at consciousness, perception, so actually just our simple experience of seeing the color red or smelling a rose is much more complex than anything a computer can do. But we can actually implant things. Let's say, for example, the iPhone. We all have it. It has a lot of memory. It has a lot of things. It's become an extension of ourselves in a certain way. Indeed. We don't remember numbers anymore because they're in our iPhone. So now let's say the iPhone gets smaller and smaller Phone and numbers. smaller. Right. I otherwise remember numbers. Exactly. Phone numbers, directions. Very good. Very good. Don't tell me I don't remember numbers. Oh. Oh, really? What about 18? <laughs>
the point I was making. <laughs> you had a real point. I and actually I'm sorry did. We it. Is that if you can imagine all this information in the iPhone, it will become smaller and smaller and smaller, growing exponentially, as as Ray Kurzweil would say. That eventually, we, let's say, we can implant an electrode in your brain that has all the information that's stored in the iPhone. So it's not just using what your brain is is capable of doing, but it's expanding it using a neural prosthetic, and you'll have access just by thinking about it. Imagine you don't even have to speak in your phone anymore and say, "Call mom." You can just think call mom and it will happen and you can just talk to yourself without even having a headset we'll all be walking around looking like we're insane what happens when you're on a plane and the flight attendant is like (laughs) hey you need to stop playing words with friends in your head (laughs) (laughs) I can think of even more weird things that would happen if your head was a phone by accident Say you are no. doing it. <laughs> Calling everybody in your phone because you're distracted. <laughs> so, so what happened? I just got pocket dialed by Eugene. Oh, God! Oh, what am I listening to? So, to Mind dialed. Do, do you foresee like a USB connection to download brain information and upload? Eventually, and eventually what some philosophers are saying is that we can avoid death. We can achieve immortality by downloading our brain onto a computer. And so, in a sense, all of our memories, our perceptions, everything could be downloaded who you are. You have to bring the consciousness with it. Exactly. Otherwise, it's just information. And we still don't know what that is. Thank you. Exactly. But as you say, if you're an atheist and Mm -hmm. there's no such thing as a soul, then what are we really but the computations that are happening inside of our brain? We are that gestalt, though. We are that sum that's greater than the whole of its parts. It's the mind that arises from brain Mm -hmm. or the mind that exists concurrently with brain. And we still don't really know how to define that. But if we thought even more outside of the box, a lot of futurist biological thinkers are thinking about going beyond these neuroprosthetics and actually going into the genome. Because of course, all the brain is, is a manifestation of these blueprints in the nuclei of our cells. Oh, so rather than poke the brain, poke the genes to make the brain. Tell the genes to create a being which has perfect memory. Ooh, or this, I mean, we can go baby. even farther. Whoa. Oh, who will control medicine. the super baby? <laughs> the or only, will the super baby the control only... you? Right. And the bottleneck here is our research. It's our ability to find intelligence in the brain. It's our ability to find consciousness in the brain. And where's the seat of that? We used to think it was in, what, the pineal gland. And before that, we thought A it was in the A bunch of fools! <laughs> we know it's in the formulas! The only problem with all this is if you think of the the round worm, right, only has a very few cells and connections in terms of its nervous system, and we can barely understand that, barely. And to think about the complexity of the human brain, it's like thinking about the complexity of understanding the universe. Yes, We're so this is far where we get off. to those large numbers. Yes. So understanding now, not only how the brain works, but then how to code it from the genome, I mean, it's not going to happen in our lifetimes. Yeah. You've been listening to Star Talk Radio, a broadcast partially funded by the National Science Foundation. Join us next week for the second half of our show, The Space Between Your Ears. Until then, for Star Talk, I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson urging all of you to keep looking up. Justin and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. 
So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.